no, I wouldn't have that baby. There has to be encounter for there to be fruit. There has to be connection with God the Father. Amen? Amen. Radio, so today, preaching, this is fun. Sorry I've got no shoes. <laughs> I'm on holy ground. That's what I thought when I walked in. It's probably biblical. So you can follow suit if you want. So if you are following in your Bibles, uh, I'm going to read from Genesis chapter 17, uh, verse 1 through to 6. And uh, so I'll just let you go there. And I've titled this message today, Knowing God in the Delay of Promise. Knowing God, knowing, knowing. So Genesis chapter 17, verse 1 through 6 says, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you, and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. Father, I thank you for your word today, Lord God. Father, I thank you that you are revealing yourself to your people. Father, I thank you, Jesus, that through promise, Lord God, you're revealing yourself. And Father, I just pray today, Lord, as we look into your word, we look into this story of Abraham. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would just reveal yourself to us in a brand new way. I pray, Father, that we'd be encouraged in you. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. God wants people to know him. God wants people to know him, to seriously know who he is and to know his character. And encountering God, like I said before, is a part of that. Without the encounter, we don't know who he is. And one of my uh, favorite messages that I've just listened to, it's like I have watering hole, I go back and listen to it, is uh, it's a message by Bill Johnson called Your History with God. And the message is about encounters with the Lord. And we look back through down the past of our life and there's moments in our life where we've encountered the Lord, we've met him in a time of need, we've met him or we've opened up the Bible and it's spoken to us in a way and that passage has become like, you know, we meet God in that place and if I come to a, a struggle, I can go back to the Word to that exact place and I remember meeting God in that place. And as Christians, we should all have a history with God where we can go back and we can see the encounters that we've had with the Lord which changed, changed us. You know, and this is the thing with encounter. It's not uh, for God to get to know me. It's not for God to get to know you. He already knows you. He already knows us completely. But encounter is about us getting to know him. And it's been those times, that history with God, that when I've connected and read that, it's revealed the facet of God which has altered me and changed me. Yeah? So what I'm going to look at today is that through promise, through promise, God draws us to himself. Through promise, God draws us to himself. And I'll explain. So God's promises are always impossible. They're always impossible for us to achieve in our own strength. We can never achieve the promises of God in our own strength. And I'm going to unpack that today. Because God has purpose in that. God has a purpose in that giving these impossible promises. I call them the impossible promises. God has a purpose in it. 
And his purpose is that we would find him and that we would experience him. You see, he gives us these things, you know, and and speaks and says, this is going to come, this is going to happen, this is what I'm going to use you for, this will come to pass. And when we look at it in the natural, it seems impossible. Can't do it. But that's, God's got the purpose that we would depend on Him, we would come to Him and meet Him, and it would be Him who would be glorified in our life. You know, God is the God of promises. And it's actually quite amazing. You start in Genesis, and it's just promise. Promise to His people. All the way to Revelation, the very last chapter ends in promise with Jesus saying, Surely, I am coming. I'm coming. So all of us right now are waiting on his promise that he's going to come back. But that promise will be fulfilled. Amen? Did Abraham have a son? Yes. Promise fulfilled. Amen? So Jesus is coming back. Throughout the whole Bible, Adam, Noah, Abraham, Moses, Joshua, Solomon, David, the prophets, Jesus' disciples, all people of promise, given promises by God. And God's drawing out of mankind, a faith, drawing out faith. He speaks. All we have is his word. That's all those people had was the word of God to go upon, you know. And Christianity, without promise, without word from God that we're hoping upon and drawing out faith from us, Christianity is boring, boring, because you try and do it in our own strength. We never meet God. We never experience or see his power in our life. And we just try and do it in our own strength and it will never actually come to pass. We'll live frustrated and struggling. But we ought to be people of promise. Come on, we've got to be people of promise. People who depend upon God. You know, who, who lean into his faithfulness and find strength in him. You know, we need promise in our world because it reveals him. It reveals God. And that's like, what more do you want than that? we want to know him yes we do we want to know him and promise promise draws out beautiful covenant relationship you know a good example is when you get married two people get married and uh here we go married couple right here marcus and ella and on the altar they said in sickness and in health and all those sorts of things they made promises they made a covenant to one another and said Baby, when you're sick, I'm going to look after you and I'm going to be everything, okay? It's not until when Ella gets really sick and things get really desperate and and is, can you get me another cup of water? Can you do this again? Can you do this? Can you do this? And Marcus is tired and he, he is completely worn out. But because of love, the love behind that covenant, the love for Ella, he definitely does it. He stands up and he goes the extra measure. He goes further. Amen? He goes further and he does more and he does more than Ella could even imagine. And it shows that that promise that he made, it reveals the character of Marcus. And Ella goes, whoa, I never knew that about him. He's way better than I thought. (laughs) Amen? You can pay me later, Marcus. Come on. All right, so we're going to look at the story of Abraham. And um, this is story of promise. It's a real journey, Abraham's life. When you read through, it's just you meet him. The first thing, intro, you find out who his dad is and all that. But then first thing is we just get promise. 
the Lord appears to him and called him. And um, we see a journey where God draws Abraham to God, yeah, through this promise. And so I'll go back from where I read this morning, um, and we're going to go to Genesis 12, chapter 1. And this is where we first kind of meet Abram, okay? We're just gonna, I'm just going to give you a bit of the background of his story and so we can get into Abraham's shoes and just kind of feel what his life was like and how this man had promise, you know, given to him. This is where we start his life, following him is this promise and how it leads him to this point where God reveals himself in a whole new way which changes his life. Okay, so uh, in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and in him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Okay, so here's Abram. He's followed with his father. They were supposed to go to a land called Canaan, um, but got halfway to a place called Haran, and uh, his father thought, this is where we're going. This is far enough. He didn't have the faith to keep on going further. Okay, so God comes to uh, Abram when he's living in this place where his father's gone halfway to where he's supposed to go. So his father's a halfway. He didn't quite make it kind of man. And God comes to Abram who's barren, completely barren, has no children, and says to him, Abram, get up, leave everything you know, leave absolutely everything, leave your father, leave everything, and I'm going to make a great nation out of you. Your offspring is going to multiply and multiply and multiply. Okay. And Abraham obeys, gets up, gets all his stuff together, heads off, believing with a barren wife that God's going to bring a, a multitude and nations from him. Okay, so he's given an impossible promise. An impossible promise, but it's drawn out faith already in Abraham. So here he goes, he's off, heads away, and um, the, this then becomes the main topic and the main purpose of Abraham's life. This promise that God is going to make him into a great nation. In chapter 15, um, God makes a covenant with Abraham, seals the deal that, yo, Abraham, I've got your back, Okay. You're, like, I'll, I will be your shield and your great reward, is what he says in chapter 15. That means that they're going to exchange swords, they're going to exchange shields. So God will fight for Abraham, God will be his defender and protect him. They're connecting a, a covenant relationship there. Okay, and then 10 years on from uh, the first time that God met Abraham. So 10 years, God said, get up, leave your country, go. 10 years later... Uh, there's an incident in chapter 16 and it's where Abram um, gets Hagar pregnant. And 10 years is a long time to be waiting for this promise. You know, 10 years is a long time. He hasn't seen any action, no fruit, nothing, no children, nothing. And, you know, you've got to kind of sympathize with Abram and his, and his wife Sarah here because don't, like, don't we all at times try to bring about things in our own strength? Try to bring it about, try to force the way and work to do it. And so if you don't know the story, what happens is that they take Hagar, one of their slaves in their household, and uh, this was a common practice in their time, and Sarah says, sleep with Hagar, get her pregnant, and then this, the child that will be born, that will be the one that will be the blessing and the offspring and the multitudes will come from it. 
God comes to it, they do this, have the child, and God says, no, this is not going to be the one. I promised that it was going to come, you know, from Sarah. Your wife is going to have a child. It's going to come out of you, okay? And then even Ishmael, that son who was born, the Bible uh, tells us, you know, that it just caused tension in the house. He was bitter and, you know, he was an uneasy child and there was, you know, problems between Sarah and between Hagar because they were jealous for what was happening. And I think at this point that some of us can kind of relate to Abraham here in this situation. We've just waited and waited and waited, seen nothing, seen nothing, seen nothing. You know, and we try in our own strength to bring it about. We try to manipulate it or work it to make it come. Or, you know, we do things which we haven't actually heard from the Lord. We've just gone out and tried to do it ourselves. And it all actually brings around in the end. It just causes more pain and more struggle to come about. But God continues. He's got this promise and he's going to reveal himself. God has his timing. Okay, and so it's now chapter 17. And this is where uh, I read from before. At the very start, excuse me. Okay, that's now 24 years. 24 years since God spoke to him about first having a kid. Okay, so his, his little boy now, uh, Ishmael, is 13 years old. It's 24 years that Abram has been waiting upon God for this promise with no child, nothing. Okay, has anyone waited 24 years for something? 24 years, I'm 25, that's my whole life, man, waiting for the tax return to come back is long enough for me, I just want that tax return to come in, 24 years and you've absolutely left everything, I, can you also understand that after 24 years, Abram is watching people around him having families, Abram is watching, Abram could have had a son and then that son could be having his kids by now after 24 years. And here's Abram, 24 years down, and he's still, this promise which God is giving him is nowhere to be seen. His wife is still barren, and there is no kid. But this is the point where God appears to Abraham. This is the point in the story, in the life, when we're following Abraham's journey this is the point, this is the circumstance where God appears to Abraham and reveals himself in a whole brand new way. You know, and it's tough circumstances in our life. It's when, man, we are dry, we are empty, we are at our ends. We've been going for 24 years waiting for something. I haven't been, but some of you may. Been waiting for something that when God reveals himself in that moment of time, it's going to be this much greater than if he had revealed himself in that way way back six months after it. Do you understand? When you're drinking water, you can drink water all day. Yeah, water's great. Da, da. That's nice. Yeah, water, water, water. But when you are thirsty, when you are really, 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 really thirsty, water is like, oh my goodness, I love you. There is something, water is just beautiful in that point. When you are really, really, really thirsty, Okay, so God, it's in this point in Abraham's life that he comes to him and reveals him. And I believe that the way God reveals himself here to Abraham, I believe that there's people here today that God wants to reveal himself to you in this way. He wants to show you a side of himself that he showed to Abraham. And I believe that we need to. I believe there's people here that actually need to experience God. 
that actually need to encounter God and to meet with Him because those things will shape, those things will change you. Amen? God knew that 25 years would pass before Abraham would bear him a child. Why didn't he tell him? Why didn't he just tell him? would have been so much easier. Abraham, you're going to have a kid. But I'll come back and visit you in 10 years and just remind you it'll be another 15 years and then I'll come back five years before and just let you know you better get ready soon. It's going to be about five more years. And then come back six, you know, whatever, a year before and say, mate, this is the year. You got it. Go for it, mate. Would have been sweet. No problem for Abraham. Why put him through that suspense of 25 years? Because promise or impossible promise or delayed promise causes God, you know, that intimacy with God. It brings us and it reveals God in a brand new way. So where we read uh, this morning was Genesis, Genesis 17 verse 1. I'll read it again. It says, when Abram was 99 years old, not quite as old as Wally, one year younger than Wally, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am. Okay, he's revealing himself. He's coming to Abram saying, I am. He doesn't say you are. He starts with I am. God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make you into nations and kings shall come from you. So God appears to Abram and reveals himself as God Almighty. I am God Almighty. Okay. I didn't get much response out of you. It's because, I wouldn't expect, I mean, Almighty is a good word. It's great translation. They've tried pretty good to get God Almighty there. But I want to have a look at who that was that he just revealed himself as. Because God Almighty does not, it does not give enough to who God actually revealed himself there. The Hebrew of that word there, God Almighty, when we have a look in it and we see who God came to Abraham and revealed himself as, then we go, whoa, that's powerful. That's the God, right? So this word, God Almighty, we all know that uh, God has many names. We all know Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah, uh, there's so many of them. Adonai for Lord, uh, El Roi means God sees. God has multiple names because there's multiple facets. There's so much to God. And so God reveals himself as this. He reveals himself as God Almighty, which in the Hebrew is this word, El Shaddai. El Shaddai. And it's got two facets to this thing. Uh, first off uh, is just the part there, El. And uh, El simply in the Hebrew just means God. It just means God or, you know, the one who is all strength, power, might. Yes, it's just, it's God. And so that's why you get El Elyon, that's God most high. When the Hebrews, they always have this word, El, it's always followed by something, or most of the time, it's followed by another word to kind of display a character of God. So it's God is da-da-da, God is da-da-da, like Paul is patient, Paul is kind, etc. Okay. All right. So, God, El, Shaddai. Now, this Shaddai part, this is the fun part, this is where it gets really good, uh, it's... If we can get it up on the thing there, there we go. So the first half of this word comes from a root word, which actually means a woman's breast, shad. It means a woman's breast in Hebrew. But this is where it actually becomes relevant 
to Abraham. Because what that is indicating there is nourishment, have I got it there? And sufficiency. It's indicating nourishment and sufficiency. That God, when we put those two together, the Almighty One, God Almighty, God All Power, God All Strength, who is all sufficient and to nourish your needs. This is who He reveals Himself to Abraham as. You know, so Almighty, when we say God, God revealed Himself as Almighty, doesn't quite do it in the sense of what Abraham really needed in that moment in his life. He needed to encounter, he needed to experience the God who was one, all-powerful, and two, who was able to supply and was sufficient enough for his need. All nourishment, all sufficiency. A baby has all sufficiency at its mother's breast. Everything it needs. It's got love, it's got warmth, it's got food. That is the place where that little child, all it depends upon is that. There is complete nourishment and sufficiency in a nursing mother for a little child, okay? And so God reveals himself to Abraham in this way. You've got a serious problem. You've been waiting. You are dry, you are barren, da-da-da-da. I am all sufficient for your need, Abraham. I am all sufficient. God reveals himself as the all-sufficient one. And after 24 years of waiting, could you imagine how just transforming that would have been to Abraham? And I mean, when God appears, like, it's, it's serious when you encounter the Lord. Who can testify that one second or one word from God or in the presence of God can change you like that? Amen? You know, sometimes you've got to meet a person for an hour or something and they really start to rub off in you and have effect. When we encounter the Lord, it can happen like that. One word in a moment. We see something new about himself and he's so big and so powerful and so mighty, so awesome that everything that we've been struggling with for that 24 years can just be, it's going to be okay because I've met the one who made the promise. Amen. And this is what happened in Abraham's life. He met the one who was all-sufficient. God used that promise that delayed that promise so that he could reveal to Abraham a side of himself. Amen. What was more important? That the promise came to pass or that Abraham knew God and had intimacy and relationship with God? They're both just as important because God cared about the promise. But have you ever thought maybe that the delay in our life, the reason sometimes things take time, the reasons it's not all happy, snappy, right when we want it and need it, is because God's drawing us to him. Because he wants to reveal himself in a way to every single one of us that's beyond our expectation and beyond what we actually know of him right now. Amen? I believe that some of us can relate to this, you know? And what do we do in situations? Where do we turn if we've been waiting? Where do we turn when we're confused and we don't understand the ways of God? You know? Where do we go? And I really believe that this is it. We actually, sometimes there's a time and a place where we have to actually encounter the Lord and we have to meet the God and who say to you, I am all sufficient in your time of need. 
I'm all powerful in your time of need. It's not easy. It's not always easy to find that. To be able to go, yes, God, I trust you. It's not easy to be able to do that. But we have to at least, come on, spend some time to get to know him. We have to spend some time to get to know God. And I love that uh, when Neville shared in that first part of the touching heaven, changing earth. You know, he really looked at the Matthew and the prayer and the getting into the, into the cupboard with the Lord and, and praying and spending time with the Lord. You know, in Matthew 6 there, and it talks about going, when you pray, go into your room and close the door. Close the door and pray to your Father who is in heaven, who is unseen. And when you pray to him, don't keep on babbling like pagans. He already actually knows what you need. He's calling you into the closet, into the prayer closet, because he wants you to hang out with him and get to know him and just get to know that he is able to supply all your need, to bring to pass, absolutely I know what you need, before you've even prayed it. I want you to know that I know what you need. I want you to know that I care about you. I want you to know that I'm all-powerful. I am enough in your time of need and what you need. God uses promises, come on, to reveal himself. God uses delayed promises to reveal himself. Read your Bible, go on a prayer walk, worship, journal, meditate. When was the last time you spent some time just soaking in the Lord's presence? Just soaking in the Lord's presence, hanging out with the Lord, encountering God, making space and time in your day just to meditate on the Word of God and to meet God and encounter Him and get to know Him. So quickly, the other side of El Shaddai. So some theologians say that, I think there's another slide there. So Shad is the first part for the breast. Yes, he's all-sufficient and all-powerful. Oh, there is no other slide, actually. But some theologians say that the S-H-A-D-D, so when you get the word Shad, uh, it comes from the word that means all-powerful. Okay, all-powerful. All power, he has everything. It's like an omni, omnipotent is the word. I was going to say present. Omnipotent power. And so God reveals himself as God all omnipotent all power absolutely everything whatever i decide to do it will be done nothing can come against me nothing can stop what i will nothing can come against my cause because all power is god okay so abraham comes and god meets him it reveals himself as i am all powerful like legitimate there is nothing nothing that i cannot do if it is my will and my cause i will bring it to pass if you're 99 years old and i'm saying you're going to have a kid you are going to have a kid because it is my will and it's going to come to pass amen and so in that in the knowing in the knowledge in the intimacy in the getting to reveal seeing god in that way man there is a rest that would come there is a peace that would come over abraham and uh i just reckon like all of this when god revealed himself like this to abraham it would have just hit him all in one go. Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai. The next sentence it says, Abraham fell on his face. He fell down. And you know, there's times when God reveals himself, all we can do whoo, is humble ourselves and fall down and worship before him. But I believe after this encounter that God revealed himself, man, when Abraham would have got back up off, off the floor, filled with faith, filled with absolute faith. You know, I was reading, doing research and stuff like this, and some people are like, oh, you know, Abraham, you know, doubted and went in unbelief and, and all this sort of stuff. But do you know, actually, he didn't. 
Romans actually says that he was unwavered. He was absolutely unwavered. It says in Romans 4 verse 19 and 21, He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Because he got back up off the floor after encountering the Lord, said... He is fully able. I'm going to have a kid. Amen? (laughs) So good. God may confuse us with the way he operates, and we may question him to try and understand what he is doing, but we cannot accuse him of getting it wrong. Don't accuse him of getting it wrong. Rather, get to know him. Get to know him and get to find out who are you in this time of need for me. Things don't feel right. Who are you right now for me? Amen? One of the big challenges, the real big challenges for us is when there's delayed promise or things aren't as we thought that God had showed us they were going to be. One of the big challenges is to not go hard-hearted. The challenge is to remain soft-hearted, to be soft and open towards God, to be vulnerable towards God. You know, it can be hard. When there's delay and you're not seeing the thing, when you come to church or come to worship, it's actually difficult. Because there's disappointment, you know, and that's a real challenge. And I I commend Abram because he never went hard-hearted. He remained soft-hearted and he had an absolute reverence for who God was. He saw who God was. He saw him in his rightful place. He is God Almighty and he had reverence for him. You know, sometimes it's hard to close your eyes. Sometimes it's hard to meditate on God. Sometimes it's difficult. You know, to connect with Jesus because we feel like we're disappointed. That's the challenge. We've got to stay soft-hearted and putting our faith and our trust in God. That is sufficient in our time of need. Amen? And um, I think that's something really actually... I was, when I was reading this and I told Nikki in the car and it just kind of hit me. You know, straight after this story... Uh, from what I read there today, is when circumcision is first introduced. And God says, as a sign of this covenant, as a mark. So when you come into a covenant, we put a ring on, that's the mark of our covenant, okay? And, but this covenant, God says, this is going to be the mark of your covenant. Circumcise yourself and all your kids to come. And isn't it funny that for Abraham to fulfill that promise, he has to use a certain anatomy of his body. He has to go and every time he goes to try and attempt to fulfill this promise, he's reminded of this encounter with the Lord. He's reminded of this moment when God revealed him as the one who is all-sufficient and almighty, the one who is all-powerful. Isn't that incredible? He can't forget that if this works, it's it's always reminded of that encounter, that history with God. It changed him, and there's a mark in his body for it. And you know, Abraham, you know that he, he, it made an impact in his life because onto all his sons, he tells them. He, he's told them God is the one who's all-sufficient. God is the one who is almighty and all-powerful. You know, when they're all getting circumcised, why are we doing this? No one was doing this before. No one was doing... Why, why Abraham, what, what's the deal? He's telling him because 
God is all sufficient. I met him. He, gold, he told me this promise. It's going to come to pass. I've met the Lord. I've met him in this way. And, you know, from then on through Genesis, when we see like Isaac blessing his son, he uses this thing and he says, I, you know, may God Almighty bless you that you be fruitful and multiply. May the God who is all sufficient, may the God who is all powerful, that moment in time where Abraham met the Almighty and all sufficient one. Amen. All right, where am I? I'm going to finish up with a few encouragements. And um, my first encouragement today is, do you feel burdened? Has delay or promise prolonged or trial worn you out? Have you tried in your own strength only to sink again and again? Some of you might not have been 24 years, you know. I know me and Nikki, we've had times where in youth, wow, you know, trying to lead ministry... And after five years, you can still feel like, man, it's not what we envisioned at the start. But I encourage us here today, if that's you, you're in that place, spend some time to get to know God as your El Shaddai. And get, spend some time to get to know him. And how to do this? You know, God qualified, I am um, El Shaddai. And then he said to Abraham, Walk before me and be blameless. Now that be blameless, it doesn't mean be perfect. Be perfect and the promise will come. Be blameless, what it means is just give yourself wholeheartedly. Give yourself completely to me. Give yourself fully over to me. Everything in you, surrender it to me. Surrender your entire life to me. And just let me be God who is all sufficient for your need. Walk before me and be blameless. You know, and it's when Abram realized his emptiness that he rejoiced that God was enough. You know, there came a moment when he realized his emptiness and he couldn't do it, but he meant that God was enough for his need. That is what we want and we need in our life, you know what I mean? No matter what happens, no matter what comes about, God is enough for me. He's sufficient. My second encouragement is, who is El Shaddai? Who is this El Shaddai? El Shaddai is Jesus. El Shaddai is Jesus. He is the one who is all-sufficient. Jesus is all-sufficient for our every single need. Jesus is sufficient for your forgiveness. Jesus is sufficient for love. Jesus is sufficient for wisdom, for life. Jesus is absolutely everything to us. And we've got to learn to find Jesus and to put him in the place in our life where he is our all-sufficient one. That if it was just Jesus I had, that's enough for me. Even though I don't see the promise fulfilled, I've got Jesus. Amen. He's all sufficient. And uh, Paul in 2 Corinthians, and we've all heard his story, said to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verse 7, it starts. He says, So to keep me from being conceited because of my surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Amen. Paul had a weak spot, a delay, a something, you know, we don't know exactly what it was. But in what he didn't understand, what he couldn't comprehend, Jesus revealed himself. I'm, su I'm sufficient. My grace is sufficient for you in it. 
And uh, my third and final encouragement is that all of us have a promise from Abraham, like, like Abraham, sorry, to father a nation, to father nations. Every single one of us has the same call of, uh, that Abraham ha- had over his life to father a nation and to have multitudes come of us. And you know what that call is? It's Matthew 28, verse 19. Jesus said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. You know, there's times in ministry, there's times in life, you know, where salvation and discipleship can seem impossible. It can feel impossible. You know, to see our friends get saved, to see our neighbours get saved. We might have trailed for so long to see breakthrough and to see, you know, our family, people in our family get saved. You know, and it's like that promise, you know, God's revealed it to us. Come on, they're going to get saved. Come on, your family's going to be restored. Come on, things will change. Things are going, there's going to be breakthrough, but it can just feel and look and just seem impossible. And you know what one of the crazy things is? Is that salvation, for us to see to get people saved for us it is actually impossible it's actually an impossible promise for us to fulfill you know because when uh jesus there's that uh, story when jesus is talking to his disciples about how hard it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle you know and then the disciples go well who then can be saved who can be saved and jesus says With man it's impossible, but for God, nothing is impossible. Amen. So for we all have that call upon our life to father nations, to see disciples come, to see this place filled. You know, there can be times where it it seems like impossible that we're going to reach our shire. Seem impossible that we're going to reach our community or our schools. You know, but Jesus is El Shaddai, all powerful. Jesus is almighty. Amen. Before he tells us to go and make disciples, he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Have we met Jesus in that way? Have we met him that he's all sufficient to bring salvation to our world, to the people around us? If you feel burdened by delay, don't harden your heart towards God. Fall on your face before him and worship connect with heaven and discover God El Shaddai the one who is all sufficient to nurture and nourish your soul Amen Is anyone encouraged today? That's good, that's good Praise God Yeah I just I worship this morning so felt the presence of Jesus and that he's revealing himself to people and more than anything he wants us as a people to know him like seriously know who he is and to have moments in our life like Abram we're right in the thirstiest part of our life and God may be the one to bring those times about it's not always the devil it's God sometimes just allow things to happen because he wants to get you to a place where he can reveal himself in such a way where you take notice of it and it impacts and it changes us forever 
and we'll never forget. We'll tell everyone around us, amen, of the God that we know and the God that we've met. And so this morning, if that's anyone here, you've been going a long time. Come on, let's take some time this morning. Close your eyes. Just engage your heart, soften your heart, and surrender it to the Lord. Whatever it is, just surrender. Say, above and through it all, Lord, knowing you is more important. Meeting with you. I need to see you fresh. I need to encounter you fresh, Lord God. Who are you, Jesus? Who are you in my time of need? Who are you right now for me, Lord God? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't we stand? We're going to worship. Thank you, Jesus. Before we uh, sing the first song, are you going to come up here? Cool. She's going to say it then. All right. Thank you so much, Paul. You know, the ultimate, ultimate, ultimate promise, impossible promise from God is salvation. It is the ultimate thing that humanity cannot achieve on their own. We cannot do it. We cannot save ourselves. And just at the end there, as Paul was talking, I'm like, salvation isn't actually ours. It says in Scripture that salvation is God's. Salvation is God's. And He has given it to us as a gift. And just quickly this morning, as we continue to worship, I just want to stretch out, thank you, stretch out an opportunity to anyone who's never actually... um, Counted God and received salvation as a gift. This is it, guys. This is the promise. This is the ultimate promise. And you cannot achieve it in any way. It doesn't matter how long it's delayed. It doesn't matter how long you wait. You cannot achieve salvation yourself. But this is a moment where you can you can pray and you can encounter God and you can say, Yes, I want salvation for me. I don't want salvation to just be God's. I want to receive that. I want my name written in heaven because the Bible says rejoice. Don't just rejoice because, you know, demons obey what you say and don't just rejoice because of this, but rejoice because your names are written in the book of life. Your names are written in heaven and that is salvation, friends. So this morning, um, if you've never received that, if you've never had an opportunity to say, yeah, I want that. I want I want to rest in this life knowing my name is written in heaven, in the book of life. I want to rest in this life and standing on God's promise because ultimately Abraham and all those Old Testament figures is pointing towards a pivotal moment in the New Testament and that is the cross of Jesus Christ. The New Testament points back to it and the Old Testament points towards it. We're looking at the cross of Jesus Christ and that is the salvation of humanity. That is how it comes about. So this morning, why don't we just close our eyes together and if there's anyone here who wants to pray that prayer of salvation, it's just between you and God and we're going to all pray it with you and support you. So let's just repeat after me, Lord Jesus, I want to receive this gift of salvation. I don't want to delay. I want to receive that promise in Jesus' name. Take away my sins. Forgive me. I want to start new and live for you. In Jesus' name. And the whole church said, Amen. Amen. Come on.